0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Detroit Tigers 6 the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, well, we all thought that... You know, I, I, I said it yesterday. I said, yeah, Tanner Bibby, Byby, is, he, is, is he the ace right now? Is he the current ace of the staff? And, well... This one doesn't really go his way. Uh, the kids still got really good raw stuff, but when you can't locate your fastball, it's not going to be a very pleasant day for you. So uh, he struggles, the Guardians struggle, and the Detroit Tigers, I hate to say it, they move past us into second place now in the American League Central Division. They, they, You know, the Tigers have been a joke for a long time, right? I, we, we talked about it yesterday. We racked up a lot of wins against the Detroit Tigers over the last few years and things are clicking Th- things are clicking a little I mean we both have losing records so I ain't clicking that great they're 16 and 18 now we're 16 and 19. but some of these guys Riley Green uh Baez is actually playing well after you know he got like benched for I don't know how long the benching was even for uh mayton at third base mayton at third base is only hitting 168 but uh, Torkelson, but these guys don't have great batting averages, so I, I don't know exactly what's working for him. If Eric Haas could play every game against the Cleveland Guardians, that would definitely, uh, he seems to show out every single time he plays against us as punishment for getting rid of him. And then this Abanez guy, which they apparently picked up from the Texas Rangers who let him go on waivers, uh, has been great for them. He's on. He got two big hits. He's got. A, he's on base with a walk. He's on base three times. So yeah, the Tigers, Tigers aren't a total joke right now. Uh, they've they've turned over a lot of players in the last year or two. And uh, yeah, I mean this is this is the cyclical nature of baseball, right? This is just it's what happens. There's constantly teams that are in free fall, and there's constantly teams that are climbing back to the top. And it's very, very hard to actually stay at the top and maintain that. It seems like it's either either of those extremes, right? Last year, the Guardians were, you know, they team that no one expected to win the division, and we were skyrocketing, right? We were climbing. We were on that upward trajectory the whole year with the youngest team in baseball. You know, Underwood late in the game liked to point out that, oh, you know, they're still the youngest team in baseball. And I'm like, nah, they then it doesn't, that, that excuse doesn't play. It doesn't play for me. If the talent's there, then the talent should be there. Uh, I, I don't think their age has anything to do with why they're slumping right now. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, now it's the Tigers. Now it's the Tigers, that team that's climbing and maybe figuring it out and maybe putting it together. So, yeah, it's going to be... It's the American League Central, even though it's the easiest division right now. There's nothing easy about it. Uh, there are some hungry teams in the division. And the Tigers took it to us tonight. They they beat us at kind of our own game. I mean, they were going first to third. Uh, they were uh, attempting to steal bases. Uh, some more successful than others. Uh, we will get into it. Uh but yeah, they were they were putting together nice rallies. Uh, you know, they score in multiple innings, they score in the third, fourth, sixth, and eighth innings. So uh yeah, they they were kinda they kinda beat us at our own game a little bit here. You know, multiple singles in that third inning, four singles in that third inning. The same thing we did on Sunday's game against Minnesota. Right, Multiple hits in that inning. Uh, in the fourth inning, a walk and a single, and then a double drives and in Multiple hits in the inning. Let's see, when they score in the sixth inning, it's a home run. They do get a solo home run in there uh, to score. And then in the eighth inning, they tack on more, uh with three singles in a row. So, yeah, they were kind of playing Guardian-style baseball. Multiple hits in an inning uh shooting singles through so a lot of line drives so give credit to the tigers here all right so anyways is that the top storyline of the game i know the top storyline of the game for me is um it's got to be tanner bybee for us for guardians fans i'm sure the tigers podcasters are having a completely different conversation but the top storyline is Bybee. And yeah, I, I I maybe anointed him the ace of the staff a little too quickly there. But he had been the most effective pitcher, it felt like, uh, for maybe the last two or three weeks since he got called up. He definitely seems like he was, you know, heading in that direction to being a top of the rotation kind of guy. And he still is. He still is. The You know, the key is how he bounces back for this. He can still use, use the I'm young excuse. He's a rookie pitcher. He's going to have days like this. And it was locating the four-seam fastball. Anyone, any of you who watched the game knew that, knew that's what I was going to be talking about today. So let's look at the numbers and see how bad it really was. He threw the fastball the most on the day, so he was trying to make it work. He threw it 32 times. Here's the problem, though. It was only in the zone, The zone percentage on that pitch, only 34% of the time he was throwing it in the strike zone. Now, we got to look back at past data to see how much of an outlier this actually is. Uh, And I went back just one game because, look, I'm not going to... I I could pull up tabs and pull up every game he's pitched so far, but I just went back one game to the game against the Yankees a week ago. And for that four-seam fastball, he threw it 48 times, and he was in the strike zone... 58% of the time. 58 on a very successful start to 34% on a pretty rough start. Big difference right there. 13 swings, no whiffs on that fastball. Against the Yankees, he at least had five whiffs on that pitch. So not getting the whiffs. uh, And they weren't chasing it out of the zone either. They only swung outside of the zone 19% of the time. Uh, and but 100 percent contact on it, so they maybe that was one of the foul balls. I don't know, but I mean he wasn't even getting them to expand the zone at all and go chase that fastball. Uh, they swung outside the zone in that Yankees game 40 percent of the time outside the zone, so they did get him to expand the zone a little bit on that. So yeah, that's that's rough stuff. The velocity on it seemed down a little, just a little bit, just a little the the average off his yearly average was 95.1 he averaged 94.7 on the velocity but that max number wasn't there in the game against the Yankees he maxed out at 98.6 on that four seam fastball in this game he only maxed out at 96.8 so maybe he was just tired maybe he just maybe he did need an extra day of rest maybe this the workload of a major league game is tiring him out a little bit uh, so yeah, some uh, I don't know. I that that's a conversation that he probably would have to have with the training staff, with Carl Willis, with Francona, to say, I uh, you know I wasn't feeling it, and I you know my arm was a little tired after that start against the Yankees. I, I don't know. I total speculation there, but at least at least I can tell you that the velocity numbers. We're down a little bit. The velocity was down a little bit. The command was down a lot. So what does that tell you about how Tanner Bybee was feeling in this one? Maybe just couldn't find it. Maybe just couldn't find the grip on it today, or something like that. And it was another cause. But uh, that's what the data uh, is showing. Um, the slider was, you know, the slider was working when he could use it. Uh, the slider and the curveball. Everything else had a decent whiff rate. If you, if you eliminate that fa- four seam fastball from the equation, everything else on the day had a decent whiff rate. It was just that fastball. He just could not make that pitch work. And uh, going over to the illustrator uh, against right-handed batters, he loves throwing across the plate to the uh, to the glove side, and just I mean, I literally up and down that outside edge of the plate. And just missed away a lot. Just threw him across the plate a ton uh, on that four-seam fastball. And then to the uh, left-handed batters, he likes to keep it to the arm side, but he didn't really do that. He was really... He struggled a lot against the lefties. Was really all over the place, missing in all four quadrants with that fastball against the left-handed hitters. So... Not a good day, not a good day for Tanner Bybee. He also gives up, uh, despite the uh, the command issues. He ends up uh, walking a bunch of tigers, he ends up uh, walking four tigers on the day, uh, but he also gives up seven hits. Uh, so where were those uh, pitches? Uh, let's go over to the uh, the right tab here on the illustrator, let's take a look. At the in-play, no-out, and the in-play runs. And uh, Bybee was uh, giving up a couple of fastballs. A uh, couple of fastballs on that outside edge. Uh, and then a changeup that stays up above the knees. A slider that stays up above the knees. Uh, a curveball that hangs up there for Riley Green, and which turned into runs. And uh, Eric Haas jumped on a high fastball in the fourth inning for a hit. So, like I said, it was uh, the Tigers did a very Guardian style of game against Bybee, especially with the bottom of the order turning things over to the top. They just could not get out Abanez and Eric Haas. Uh, they, they hammered them. They absolutely hammered them. So they start the rally in the third inning. Abanez with a 107.2 mile per hour single. Hasta follows it up with an 80.8 mile per hour single, but it's it's a nice lazy single. It has 970 expected batting average. So it, even though it's not a hard exit velocity, it's a nice swing. Uh, McKinstry's single was at 56.3 uh, miles per hour. Was this the infield single? I think this was. This was the chopper to shortstop that they reviewed. Um, it has to be. Uh, the chopper to shortstop that they reviewed originally called out on the field, but later overturned to be safe. Uh so yeah so turning things over and then uh Bias delivers a big single Mayton with a double his only hit of the game. Uh so yeah the bottom of the lineup sets it up and the top of the lineup drives him in. And they were able to do it again in the fourth inning. Uh they're able to uh get those bottom two guys on again a walk to Abanias Uh, A single by Eric Haas, this time a sharper single, 98.6 mile per hour exit velocity. McKinstry would fly out, but Riley Green, uh, they said on the broadcast that he's really been turning it on lately, and he delivers a big RBI double at 108.9 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, So, yeah, so when he was getting hit, he was getting hit pretty hard. And uh, the bottom of that lineup, I can't believe it, just turning things over. Then is with the solo home run in the sixth. So all that scoring, all that scoring sparked by the last two hitters in their lineup. Just crazy stuff. Uh, and it would be uh, it would be Eric Haas who would get that single rally going in the eighth inning with two outs. They'd finally get Abanez to ground it a double play. And now here comes Haas with a 106.1 mile per hour single. And then McKinstry and Riley Green single behind him. So uh, all of the runs, all of the runs scored... By the Tigers on the day, come from the bottom of that lineup, turning things over for the top. Five of the six runs are literally your eight and nine hitters. That's a weird day. That's a very strange day. All right. I honestly I don't want to hammer Bybee too hard because that's the storyline with him. It was location of the fastball, and we'll we'll have to see what his comments are. Uh, I didn't hear an interview with him or anything yet to see what the comments are. On uh, what was going on, what he was feeling out there, but hopefully he'll bounce back in his next start, and the command will be there. All right, other storylines in this game. We're going defense next. It's hard to go defense, right? There's there's nothing in Statcast here. There's not much usually in the post game reports and the highlights. Uh, you know, it's usually offense and pitching. But we gotta talk about Andres Jimenez's defense because he made some of the best plays. Some of the Best plays, and you know, I know the game might be frustrating. You might be frustrated losing to the Tigers, but I'm glad you joined me uh, for this episode because I want to talk about these Andres Jimenez plays. There were three of them that come to mind, and maybe there was even more in there when I, you know, I was cooking dinner and uh, and stuff and running around the kitchen, and uh, so I'm sure there's stuff I missed in this game. But three, it starts with the uh, the ground ball to him honestly I don't even know what inning he made these plays in um I guess I could click through really quick and try to figure out uh what inning it was I think it was the second batter of the game I think it was Riley Green um hits a ground ball at 95.8 miles per hour it was a high fast ball that he got on top of frankly hits it at a negative 13 degree launch angle and uh Because of the left-handed hitter, Jimenez was playing way over in the gap, in the hole, so he has to range way to his right to try to field this one. Backhands it with his glove and is able to push it, flip it out of the webbing of his glove to Ahmed Rosario covering second base, and they get McKinstry by a half a step. I mean, by a fraction of a step. McKinstry's out at second this was uh, the way Andres Jimenez flipped the ball out of his glove go go in the backyard go in the backyard with a family member go in the backyard with a friend try this a hundred times see if you could get the ball out of your glove the way Andres Jimenez does and flip it to someone covering second base I don't I don't think you can (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's so weird because without your, without, you know, your fingers touching the ball, like maybe from the palm of the glove, you can do it, but without your fingers touching the ball, it's so hard to like, can, to not just throw that thing, like flip it straight in the air, right? To have any kind of control over where it's going to get any oomph on the ball and get it to shortstop, get it to second base for the out, It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible that Jimenez pulls this off uh, in such a fluid motion, too, right? He has to do it without even, like, turning his hips. Uh, He just gets it and flicks it. So an incredible play by Andres Jimenez. Clearly uh, file that one away when it comes time for gold glove voting uh, at the end of the season. Uh, The next one... The next one, it, maybe this play is more Zanino's, but uh, poor Akil Badu uh, was caught stealing in this one. Uh, the poor guy takes off for second base. And uh, they, you know, Andre Knott had talked about how Zanino said to him he was going to try to maybe even skip the ball into second because with the jumps these guys are getting and with the bigger bases he feels it probably feels like he's got to put the ball right at the right at the base. You know, a high throw isn't going to get the job done. Like the ball has to be down. So maybe that's why he's thinking of like one hopping it like they do to him when throws come in from the outfield. Give that, you know, give a little that single bounce to it so that they can keep the ball down low and get that tag down. Well, well, there's another way of doing it, and that's to literally throw the ball into Akil Badu's groin. I, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. They threw that one straight into him. Uh, and uh, at first you think, oh, uh, Andres Jimenez got the glove in there. And even that would hurt. Like, even the webbing of the glove in between the ball and your body would hurt. But no, it's even a more incredible play. The physics of this, the ball actually bounces off Akil Badu and comes back into the glove of Andres Jimenez, and he's able to hold the tag on him as he's sliding into second base. The physics of this, when the ball bounces back, it's not like his glove is turned to like receive the ricochet like you would take a ball off the outfield wall. His glove is still turned towards the catcher to catch the thing. So how the ball comes back into his glove and sticks, I have no idea. Um, poor Aki Adding insult to injury, I mean, uh, the fact that he doesn't even successfully steal the base and to get hit below the belt like that, just, just a brutal play that you'll never see again. Never absolutely see this play again. Uh, So there's that one. And then he throws someone out at home plate too. Uh, They had a chance to add another one. And Haas gets thrown out uh, at the plate. It's straw to Jimenez with the relay throw home. And uh, it's a great throw. It's a great throw home. They nail Haas by a mile. Uh, So uh, a huge throw from Andres Jimenez as well. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's three really, really strong defensive plays right there. Uh, the other thing defensively that I noticed was, um, uh, what's his name? Gabriel Arias out in right field, right? This experiment of the middle infielder that maybe the best shortstop on our team getting at bats in right field because, once again, Ahmed Rosario can't play anywhere else but shortstop. So you got to move other guys around. And, uh, he actually, Gabriel Harris played a pretty good right field in this one. Uh, you know, they showed, someone tweeted out him shagging fly balls off the, you know, off one of those machines uh, earlier in the day. And, you know, when they showed, the clip they showed was him, like, drifting to his right and drifting in. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to launch those things towards the right field line. I need to see him moving back and towards the line. Catching fly balls. That's what he should be practicing. Not lazy fly balls into his right. But anyways, he, uh, there were a couple plays that they're not much, but I just noticed them, right? And, and it's it's good to see the mechanics. He First off, he fired off an absolute missile to third base. They just barely missed getting the runner. They thought about challenging it, but ultimately didn't. Uh, someone trying to go first to third, and he's got an arm out there. It's been a while since we've had a right fielder with a real rocket. I, I know that Brennan and Oscar Gonzalez have decent arms. But, like, oh, man. Uh, I remember Sin Chu when he was out there with just that missile of an arm from right field. Manny Ramirez had a cannon in right field. Uh, even uh, even Lonnie Chisenhall, when they moved him out to right field, he could still throw. I mean, he still had an arm out there. He threw some missiles. From out there. So, uh, so yeah, so, um, I don't know. Arias' arm might play in right field. Uh, it's still, you know, we'll see how he does tracking balls towards the wall. The other one that he actually made, like, an act, a good outfield play on was a missile over his head, that he didn't have any chance of catching, but he did turn to receive it off the wall really well. So at least those mechanics were there. Uh, he took the ricochet off the wall perfectly and got the ball back in. So it's nice to see those mechanics. If he is going to be playing right field for us a lot, then it's nice to see those mechanics out there. All right, offensively, what do you want me to say? The, The team goes one for nine with runners in scoring position, so a brutal number there for the Guardians. The Tigers, by the way, go five for 14 with runners in scoring position. They had four extra base hits on the day, including three doubles and a home run. We only have two extra base hits. They both turn into runs. I mean, Stephen Steven Kwan doubling to kick off the game. So that's nice. Uh jumps on the second pitch uh and hits a double. Uh Ahmed Rosario doesn't ground out. He actually hits a single uh up the middle, but he hits it so sharply, and Riley Green comes charging in from center field, so they can't send Kwan. Uh he gets a maybe he got a bad jump on it, but they don't send them. To score and Jose Ramirez grounds into a double play. He's the one that grounds into a double play. Didn't expect that coming. It's a high fastball out over the plate, and for some reason he just got on top of it and smokes one, one hundred and seven point six, but right at Javi Baez to turn the double play. Now later in the game, in the fourth inning, he gets a fastball in almost the exact same location, and this time he doesn't jump on it. He he kind of he sits back on it. Keeps that back upright, leans into it, and uh, actually launches this thing. 25-degree launch angle, 105.3 mile per hour exit velocity, 410 feet out to left field, 30 of 30 ballparks. This is a home run. Just a beautiful swing compared to that first swing in that first inning where it is a fastball, but it's just not a nice swing. This one, he really kind of leans back and leans into this one and lets it fly. And, man, I miss seeing that swing, the home run swing from Jose Ramirez. It's a beautiful thing uh, when he's got it going, and especially from the right side of the plate, which is not you know, his power side of the plate, technically. Uh, he, he's much more powerful, uh, seems to be at least, seems to hit more homers from the left side of the plate. Uh, so, yeah, so he gets one from the right side of the plate, but that's it. They they come up with two extra base hits. They both turn into runs, but that's it uh, from this Guardians offense. Who tried some things with their lineup tonight? They put David Fry in there. David Fry gets his first major league start. Had two decent at bats. Uh, you know, hit the ball fairly hard off left handed off left handers. Uh, his first at bat came in the uh, to end. The first inning, he grounds out the third base. He kind of jumped on one. He was up there swinging. He was not gonna. He was gonna put the ball in play no matter what. Uh, and he grounds out the third base. Then in the fourth inning, he flies out to right again. It's he puts a decent swing on it, but it's not going anywhere. Uh, it's kind of right at the right fielder. Not hit very hard either of them. So, uh, gets his first chance against left-handed pitching. Doesn't come up with anything. But that's not to say that. Uh, you know, the possibility is there for David Fry. Again, he was known as someone who hit left-handed pitching. That's kind of why he's here. He had success in the minors against left-handed pitching. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see if he can, uh, he can put that together uh, for the Cleveland Guardians at the major league level. So looking at David Fry's splits from Columbus, uh, frankly, he's just been a good hitter down there. So the numbers aren't that drastic. But uh so far this season, the 2023 season, uh against righties, he was hitting 281, against lefties, he was hitting up to 303. Uh slugging 474 against righties, slugging four eighty-five against lefties. The OPS goes from eight forty-seven against righties up to eight eighty against lefties. So, like I said, it was just having a good season in general. Uh, in 2022, a more full season, how many, uh, uh, well, he, he got more at-bats against righties, so it's a little skewed. I mean, we're talking 326 at-bats against righties compared to only 96 against lefties, so maybe they just didn't face that many lefties at AAA last year. But the batting average is slightly higher, 5 points higher, 255 to 260. The OPS goes from a 770 against righties up to an 812 against lefties. So basically, this guy is a plus 800 OPS against left-handed pitching at AAA. Again, we'll see if it translates at the major league level. That's kind of why he's here. And he plays first base tonight for uh, Josh Naylor until they go to their bullpen. He comes up over two, but hey, at least they're trying something in the lineup. They're trying something. They got David Fry in there at first. Arias stays in the lineup at right field, even though he doesn't have a great game. Brennan eventually comes in and platoons with him once they go again, once they go to their bullpen. So, yeah. Uh, Offensively, you know, and Francona had no answers afterwards. He said they're putting in the work, they're not hanging their heads, they're coming in early to take extra swings. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. It's whence is the the next in a long line of pitchers that have come in here to face this team that have had plus five, plus six ERAs coming in, have had terrible seasons coming in, and then look pretty darn good facing us. Um, so it's frustrating. It's frustrating that we can beat the the better pitchers on these on these teams, right? We we have success against Garrett Cole, and we have success against uh, Sonny Gray for the Twins, and yet we struggle against Joey Wentz. It doesn't make any sense, but that's where we're at right now in the season. So uh, I I don't want to keep hammering them because I don't have any answers either. These guys have to figure out what they can do to have competitive at-bats again. Whether it's being more patient, whether it's being more aggressive, I I don't know what the answer is for these Guardians, but they've got to figure some things out. They've got to start hitting the ball harder. I mean, it's one thing to be a team that goes, plays for singles and doubles and rallies and steals bases, which they're not even stealing that many bases. No stolen bases on the day for the Guardians. And there were plenty of base runners, no stolen bases. Um, if, if they're not even going to be aggressive on the base paths, then I don't know if this style of baseball is going to work. But once again, so they have the top five exit velocities, right? Four of the top five belong to the Tigers. And in those twin series, it was pretty much like this. Four out of five, five out of five of the top hard hit balls of the day all belong to the opposing team. So they have man, they got to keep working. They have just got to keep working through this thing. Uh, and, I mean, maybe it's time to shake up the catcher position because, once again, Zanino has a terrible game, 0 for 4 with two more strikeouts. He's down hitting 187 with a 667 OPS. It's not good. It's not good at all. There's a catcher down at AAA that's hitting the ball pretty well right now. Everybody in town would be a huge fan of that move if uh, the younger Naylor gets called up. Uh, Because Zanino and uh, the other Cam Gallagher not cutting it offensively at all. I mean, you might as well have kept Austin Hedges if you're going to be hitting 187. So, I I don't know what else Francona can do to shake things up. We haven't seen Freeman get an at-bat since he's been called up here. I thought he would start on Sunday. And, uh, no, instead Arias gets the start of shortstop. We haven't seen Freeman get in there at all. So uh, how are they going to work him into the lineup? They brought him up here for a reason. Let's get him into the lineup. So it's a frustrating day offensively for the Guardians. It's a frustrating day overall. Uh, The defense is the only thing we can really hang our hat on. And, you know, seeing Jose Ramirez hit a home run, which, you know, a solo home run in the fourth inning, kind of a meaningless moment in the game, but it's still fun to see Jose put one out. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball morning. I, I feel like we went from like negative to positive to negative again uh, in this one. It's the first game of the series. Still a chance to win the series. Still a chance to go out there tomorrow and show them what we got. Uh, on the mound tomorrow for your Guardians is Bieber. So uh, we'll see what we can do against uh, our, our our eight, you know, I use that term loosely with Bybee, but I think we can all agree Bieber is still the ace of the staff, although although he's not having the best season so far. Even at 2-1 with a 2.96 ERA, when you look at some of the advanced metrics on Bieber, it's not his best season. So we'll see what he can do against the Tigers, see if he can even up this series as we face Lorenzen uh, from the Tigers. Again, another guy with a plus-5 ERA coming in. He's a right-handed pitcher, so we'll see what the lineup looks like. And, uh, yeah, we, we need this one. We need Beebs to step up. We need this one. All right, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Tigers 6, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. The link is in the show notes. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, responding to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.